Thank you, Nina. Uh, it's good to be with you all uh, this morning. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying uh, the sun in Gothenburg or wherever you are, are joining us from. Good. Uh, if you get your Bibles, do open them to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, it's where we're going to be spending our time today in the first part of that, uh, continuing our series Ephesians Alive. And the title is not to make a difference. It is Alive to Shine. That's what we are looking at today. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be main, named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, move my face out of the screen, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as wise, but as wise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Amen. If you have ever spent any time with children, one thing you will pick up very quickly is that naturally they are copycats. They copy their older brother on the playground. They copy their cool kid or they copy a certain celebrity at the time, perhaps a singer or a footballer. They are naturally copycats. And in fact, it's one of the ways that they learn. We who don't speak Swedish, should copy people who do speak Swedish because that helps us learn the language. But one of the biggest ways that children or the biggest people that children imitate if they're given the chance is their own parents. So you can almost guarantee that uh, if, if I have a favorite sport that Freddie and I ask Freddie the same question, what is your favorite sport? He will say, well, it's whatever my favorite sport is in fact the other day i was driving um with a cap on because it's sunny and uh, it got cloudy or something so i just turned my cap around possibly just trying to look cool and and freddie had a cap on and as soon as i did that he, he looked at me and then he turned his his cap backwards i'm sure this isn't going to last very long but at the moment he imitates me both for the good things that i do but also the bad things so i need to make sure that um he is imitating the good things naturally it is natural for kids to imitate and Paul starts this section again by 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 putting the therefore in and again we need to remember that he's building an argument okay this is a letter actually meant to be read all at the same time 
And what we do is we take little chunks every Sunday because you don't want to sit through an eight hour sermon. And I don't think I can manage an eight hour sermon. But he, he's reminding us of what's happened before. It's like he's putting bricks into a wall. Okay? And he's going back to the previous bricks. And if you don't have those previous bricks there, then you can't get the next brick put on top. And he says, therefore, because of everything that I have already said, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. And we see, we see earlier on in the book, we saw last week in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, that we have been created in the likeness of God. And of course, that's a, that's a story that goes right the way back to Genesis, that God made man and women in his own image, that we have been created in the image of God. But Paul and, and, and really many places in the New Testament go one step further than that. And in fact, that's something that we have been celebrating this morning, that not only do we have we been created in the likeness of God, but actually we are children of God. We have been adopted as sons. And we read that, for example, in Ephesians 1, verse 5, being adopted as sons. And so it means as Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer, how to pray, and he says, our Father, say our Father. He doesn't say, say Jesus is Father, but he says, no, say our Father, because he's teaching them to talk to their Father. And so we're able to join with Jesus and say, our Father, because we are children of God. And, and, and Paul really develops this in this section. And he says, because you are a child of God, imitate him. Be like children, as beloved children, and imitate the Father. Imitate God. And, and we see in 1 John 4.16 that there, are an there is an example of who God is. And it, and it says this in 1 John, God is love. God is love. Not God does loving things, although he does. And many religions will teach that God does loving things. But what Christianity teaches is that God's very nature, who he is, the very essence of who God is, is love. God is love this is who god is this is how he lives in the trinity loving perfectly each one another and it is out of this love that motivation happens and so we see that in the in the well-known scriptures for example for god so loved the world that he sent his only son or here in this scripture christ gave himself up for us christ loved us and gave himself up for us you see love motivates it is out of love that everything else flows and so paul when he urges us to imitate god it makes complete sense and the question is, how do we respond to the grace of God? It's something that we have been talking about over these, over these, over these last weeks. How do we respond to the grace of God? Well, we respond by walking in love. We imitate our Father. And it makes complete sense because our Father is love. That's who he is. And therefore, we imitate him by walking in love, by loving one another sacrificially this isn't a um self-serving 
love. This is a self-giving love. This is a sacrificial love that, that, that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so as we imitate God, as we want to be like our father who is love, we walk in love. And we do that by giving ourselves up, by sacrificing ourselves. And as, as Paul continues through this walk, as he has been leading us in chapter four and in, into chapter five, he says, walk in love. It kind of summarizes, I guess, all the different aspects. We saw this at the beginning of chapter four as well. All the different aspects of the walk, they kind of like all come together under one umbrella term, love. Love. Walk in love. And so as, as he continues this walk here in chapter five, he says this affects the way that you use your body. Sexual immorality, impurity, covenant, it shouldn't even be named among you. Think about how you use your body. And again, as we heard last week, it, it affects your speech. This is how we love one another, that we, that we, that we don't talk filthily or foolishly or, or joke crudely, but we give thanks. This is what love looks like. And the reality is it's requiring sacrifice because it would be much easier to kind of let every urge of our body just take over and follow it. Or, or it'd be much easier just to talk foolishly, at least for me, it would be. But actually, we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to the urges of our body, of our mouth, of our tongue. And we need to love one another we need to imitate god in that and then we get to verse five where to, to be honest it's a bit of a challenging scripture and if we weren't doing a book this is the good thing about doing a book or the challenging thing about doing a book if we weren't working through a book we might conveniently skip this bit because uh, it is difficult it's challenging and it needs to be understood because paul says this after talking about love he says, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So what, what's Paul saying here? Because it actually sounds quite harsh and it sounds quite strong and it is quite strong. And I think to... To understand what Paul is saying here, we need to read this through the eyes of a first century reader to the people who Paul was originally writing to. And of course, this is going into a city called Ephesus, a city that was very, very well known for one thing, at least one of the ancient wonders of the world, this the goddess Diana, this big temple, Artemis. And, and what would have been absolutely everywhere was small idols, idols of the goddess. And in fact, People made their living just selling these idols. Demetrius, we read about in Acts 19, was one of these guys. He literally made a living on, I guess, tourists coming in and people who lived there by selling idols, by selling silver figurines of the goddess Diana. That's how he made his money. And then Paul turns up and he preaches this message of grace, this message of Jesus. And people start turning away to Jesus from idols. Um, and that, that affects, at the end of the day, Demetrius's job. It affects his bottom line. He isn't making the money he was. And so he organises a riot, and that ends up pushing Paul out of the city. He has to leave. 
And so as a first century reader, as you kind of like open the scroll to Ephesians, you, you would expect Paul to probably mention this guy Demetrius and the riot and, and the temple worship of, of the goddess of Diana. And he does do that in a way, but he actually broadens it out. And what Paul says is that idols are a lot bigger than silver figures that you can buy on the street in Ephesus. They look a lot different to that. And here he mentions two main ones, sex and greed, the endless pursuits of more. And he said, those that constantly go after sex, that constantly go after more, have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And these are strong words that we must take seriously. And we may think, oh, this is, this is a book of grace. Ephesians has been a book of grace. And then we get to this point. How does this fit into grace? This is grace. This is a warning. It's, it's a challenge. Paul is saying, hey, friends, brothers, sisters, readers, respond to grace by, by having nothing to do with these things, having nothing to do with, with sexual immorality, with greed, throw it away, throw it off. It's a real challenging word. And he's not saying here, kind of like you make one mistake and you're out. He's not saying that at all, but he's saying a life lived by always putting things above God, sex, greed, whatever it may be, is a life where there's no inheritance in the kingdom. He's saying this, put God first. He's saying above all else, put God first in your life. Again, it's why we're called good first. We want to be a people who put God first in our lives, that he takes the place of all worship. So good hearing, I think Ali does such a good job and others uh, as their leaders in worship. And as we just fix our eyes, we say, no, Jesus, God, we're putting you first again. It's all about you. We want to be a people who put God first. And Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone drag you down. Don't become partners with people who are living in darkness. He says, that, that's who you once were. Ephesians 4, take off the old self. That's who you once were. You were once darkness. And notice he's, he's not saying living in darkness. He said, he's saying you were darkness. The very nature, who you were, you were dark. You were following your flesh. You were kind of doing whatever you wanted to with your body and your speech. He's saying throw that off. Don't be deceived. Don't partner with people that do that. Instead, walk as light because you are light. Remember who you are. And Paul is so helpful here in, in Ephesians, I think. Just time and time again, he just lifts our eyes to who we are. He reminds us of our identity. Here he just puts these beautiful words that we are light. And again, it's not you are in the light, but no, you are light. It's really important to understand that you are light. And this theme of darkness versus light is, is a big theme in scripture. And in fact, again, in 1 John, John talks about God as light. He says, God is light and in him there is no darkness 
So this is who God is. And so as we imitate our father, we realize he's light. And so we become light. You are light. It is who you are. We once were darkness. Now we are light. And in this famous sermon on the mount, Jesus in Matthew 5 says words of exactly the same effect. He says, you are the light of the world. This is who we are. We are the light of the world. And our vision as a church is to see people saved, is to see people brought into the kingdom. Okay, vision is something that you is over there and, you, and you're, you're going after it. And our vision is to see many people saved and added and lives rescued and transformed by the grace of God. And if you've been part of any prayer meeting over the last five years, you will know that we pray regularly for that. In fact, this week we have a prayer meeting on Thursday evening and we will pray again for this. Pray again that we see salvation amongst us. But that's, that's our vision. And, and, excuse me, the temptation is to think, well, that, that's our vision, see people saved. Well, what we all need to do is we all need to become brilliant apologists and, and learn how to explain every answer that a non-Christian may have, every question, give an answer to every question a non-Christian may have. Okay, so if we can explain how dinosaurs fit in, for example, we will be able, to, we will see revival. And actually being able to explain Things like that is a really good thing. It's a really helpful thing to be able to do and something that I would encourage. And I'm sure we will, as we go through life at Good First, train people up in questions like answering questions like that. And that's something that Paul did. However, that's not really what we read here. What we read here is that there is something more radical that happens with us. That not just with our clever explanations will we help people come in to the kingdom of God, although I pray we do, but actually with our whole lives, people will see us. They will see there's something different about us. They will see we are light and that will expose something. Light is effective. Light exposes. Just the other day, just being in the boys in a really cosy moment, going to bed, and it's all dark in the room, but there's just this one light, and it's just so beautiful, and it exposes the darkness. It's different. The darkness disappears when the light comes in. It's this beautiful thing. And light exposes because it's the opposite. It is different to darkness. Gandhi said this, I don't reject Christ. I love Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are unlike Christ. If Christians would really live according to the teachings of Christ, as found in the Bible, all of India would be Christian today. And we don't really know why he said that, but one theory is that he went to church and tried to go to church in South Africa. Okay, messages tried to go to church in South Africa and wasn't allowed in because of the color of his skin. And that's, that's unconfirmed, but whatever the reason he said it, he said it. I think it's really important we let these words sink in. That if 
Christians would really live according to the teaching of Christ as found in the Bible. All of India would be Christian today. Because the reality is that a lot of Christians kind of like are light. There's no getting away from that. As we, as we are saved, as we are rescued, we become light. That's who we are. But what we do is we walk around a little bit like this. We walk around with a basket on our head. And this is what Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the light of the world. Put the light out there. Don't walk around with a basket over the light. And just personal testimony. In the UK, I used to have a job about 12 years ago. And I got very close to a guy. And after about six months of knowing him, spending lots of time with him, he said, I told him I was a Christian. And he said, wow, you're a Christian? And he just couldn't believe me because what i was doing was actually i was living like this i was i was light absolutely i was like saved by grace loved by god but i was walking around like this this is how i i mean obviously not literally like that not completely crazy but you know what i'm saying i had a basket over my light i wasn't showing people i was saved the way i was talking was the same as everyone else the way i was living was the same as everyone else my attitude to work was the same as everyone else no one would have seen my light when we went out on town, the amount I drank was the same as everyone else. He was shocked that I was a Christian. I was living life under a basket. And Paul finishes this section by encouraging us. Look carefully how you walk. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Make the best use of time. Lift the basket off the light. We're, we're living in a once-in-a-generation event, we pray and we hope, with COVID going around the world. And the reality is that people are scared, especially in the Western society. People have bought into life going on for a very long time, whereas now what we are, getting, what we are seeing, the message that is getting put across, is actually life is very fragile and, and people are scared. And I believe... We are going to have opportunities to shine like we never have before. I believe as Christians, people will be looking at us because as Christians, we believe in something greater. We believe in, some, in a hope that goes beyond the grave. Even on Friday this week, I celebrated the life of my grandma and we were able to celebrate because we know that although she's not here now on earth, she is got an eternity with Jesus and we we as Christians we have that hope and so I believe Christian and people will look to Christians over the next years and see how do we behave when when challenge comes when COVID has come how do we respond and I believe as we live with the basket off our head I believe people will see Christ will see the hope that he gives and responds to the gospel of grace. We need a fresh reminder of why we are here. We're here to see people added to the kingdom. And I want to encourage you as, as we finish soon, as we go about our everyday lives, friends, don't walk around with a basket on your head. Take it off. Shine. Live out kingdom life everywhere you are. So good to hear last week Nina talking about 
I've got a job and I work full time in a school and I'm living out the kingdom there. Friends, we want many, many of us to live out the kingdom wherever we find ourselves, at home, at work, in eco, driving, wherever. Live out the kingdom, shine. Live out Ephesians, work hard, speak the truth, live generously, act kindly, flee sexual morality, give grace with the way you speak. And I'm convinced that as we do that, people will notice. As we shine in the midst of darkness, people will notice. Just as we finish, I want to share a quick story about uh, Nina. And she has a friend uh, at work at her old job who also had another friend in the New Frontiers Church in the UK. And Nina and the girl in the UK didn't know each other. But the, the, the mutual friend who isn't a Christian said, it is amazing you would get on so well with this girl in the UK. You are just so similar. It's unbelievable. I've, I've never seen anyone, two people who are so similar. And the reality of that isn't that they both enjoy, I don't know, watching football or, or whatever it'd be, but actually that they're shining. That what the friend sees is Christ in them. What the friend sees is the light in the darkness. It's a powerful encouragement to us. Let's live as light in the midst of darkness. We have an amazing opportunity. Let's be a people who take the basket off our head and live as light. We're going to finish today by uh, praying for one another. And I just, I just feel it'd be really, really good and really important to pray for others to be light. Because I, like, I, I know, like, personally, I know it's difficult. I, I, like, it, it wasn't just 12 years ago that I was walking around like this. Actually, like, for sure, I, I often put the basket over the light. And my prayer is for us to be bold enough and have courage so that when we, you know, go to work tomorrow or whatever it is, you, you fill in your own blank, that we would be a people who are able to take the basket off that we will be a people who shine. We will be a people who speak truth, work hard and everything else we've been learning so that as the light comes, it exposes darkness. It gets rid of the darkness and other people saying, wow, what a hope you have. Tell me more. So let's